Hi, my name is Lana. This is uh, the Big Tree Mind podcast. I am so happy that you could join us this evening. I'm interviewing um, someone that's been a therapist for 20 plus years. This is Tony. Tony, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Lana. Yeah. Um, So Tony is someone that I've learned a lot from uh, the last few years that I've been studying at the Gestalt Institute. I find therapy um, has helped my life so much. It's changed uh, my life completely. And so that with the uh, combination of yoga and meditation and all these different things has really created a positive change in my life. So I wanted to ask Tony a couple of questions about what it's like to be a therapist and what are some of the benefits of therapy. So I thought I'd just start by asking you if uh, anything has changed from when you started being a therapist to now, or do you see any trends that are different? Sure. You mean in the field of psychotherapy? Yes. And yeah, yeah. Um, I can't say that I'm entirely familiar with everything that's going on, but certainly like one of the biggest uh, shifts in the last 15, 20 years is a shift from an individual focused um, on clients to something called a relational focus. Like the realization that um, we're social beings in a way and yeah. that the relationships are very important to our well-being. Yeah. So I think for a long time, the, the focus was on the client and the problems the client was having. Yes. And now there's more of a, a like a, a dyadic and family or relational kind of perspective on things. Totally. To realize that it's not the person in and of themselves that is having a problem, but the person in a context with others. Totally. And how important uh, support and dialogue and relationship is for the well-being of individuals. For sure. So that's been a big shift. And, and so that it's not just the person <clears throat> coming to the therapist and saying all of their stuff kind of, you know, sometimes I think of that as like dumping the stuff mm-hmm. and expecting for the problem to be mm-hmm. kind of taken care Magically of. Magically kind of erased by talking or something. Yeah, for sure. Although it does feel really good. Like I know sometimes it does feel really good to just like say things Absolutely. out loud. Um, but then also for the therapist uh, to not just be kind of excluded from the process so the therapist is just this face like I am the therapist and Mm -hmm. this is it you should do what I say but really the impact that the therapist has on the other that's right as well yeah there's been like part of the 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 shift that's happened in in therapy for therapists is that they're starting to realize that they make an impact on the client and they can make positive impacts and negative impacts and they have to take that into consideration as soon as the client walks into the room that they're structuring and making an impact on the person, that the person is reacting to them also, not as if their person is always doing the same thing, regardless of who's in the room. The part about Gestalt that I really like is like, what is happening in this moment right now? How is that different than some other therapies? Sure. Um, It's different in the sense that a lot of therapies, again, focus on the individual outside of the therapy room in their life. Yeah. 
And so it's stories about the past or stories about the relationships they have um, currently um, and the dynamics that have emerged from the past and currently outside of therapy. Uh, the switch, or one of the things that happens in Gestalt, for many Gestalt therapists, is that they take the relationship between the therapist and the client into consideration, along with all that other stuff. Yes. That, you know, the, the difficulties and the problematic dynamics occur here also. Yes. And so it becomes, uh, rather than talking about something you can engage with live. Yeah happening here too probably totally. so let's figure out a way to negotiate this here you and I right mm -hmm. as therapist and client as two human beings in this in this context right yeah playing different roles so that's a really big difference it's not just Gestalt that does that there's lots of other therapies that do that now too yeah but Gestalt has been doing it for a long time it's been part of the tradition of Gestalt therapy and um, even now, though, like even some of the psychodynamic therapies, they, they're taking into consideration all these dynamics between client and therapist, whereas before they may have kind of defaulted more towards a transference model, which meant the client brings in their, their history and they're acting out with the, with the client. They're not really engaged yeah. with the client. So now the understanding has changed that it's not just the template or the history. Mm -hmm. but also what's going on live between the client and therapist. So they, so they start to address that. Totally. Yeah. Huh. What, do you, like, what do you really like about Gestalt? Have you ever had like a, oh, I really, like this is the thing that I really, I have to do this moment? Yeah, I think I've had those moments often. You know, there's moments where I feel like, what am I doing? Why, why am I doing therapy at all? It's really hard. Um, <laughs> But there's lots of moments where, you know, when you really see somebody kind of go, oh, yeah, I just realized what I just did with you. Or when someone comes back or sends me a message, you know, six months, a year later saying, thank you very much. My life is much better now. Yeah. Right. So those are the moments that keep me alive. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's also the moments where like, you know, you're working with someone and it's really hard and you can't kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. And all of a sudden we get into that flow, right? Where it's like mm -hmm. we can start to have an open dialogue about what's happening. And you can see like the person's body unwind or something like that, For right? Sure. They, like they settle down and they're now talking to me like person to person, not like I got some sort of magic or something. Yeah. And then it becomes, like I said, like a real negotiation between two human beings rather than therapist client. Why, why is communication so hard for us human beings? Oh, I think there's hundreds of reasons, probably lots of variables, I should say. I think the biggest variable, one of the biggest things is just that it's so inexact and it's not just the words. Yeah. It's the tone. It's the intense, right? It's the nonverbal communication that's going on. Like we're so sensitive. Yeah. As uh, these creatures that kind of are, I don't know how to put it, you know, it's not easy surviving in our environment. Totally. Right? So I think we're kind of geared to noticing things that don't fit. So if we're talking and I'm being really nice to you, mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm doing something that's kind of threatening, mm -hmm. what are you going to pick up on? The yeah. Really nice? Yeah. Or the threat? Yeah, totally. Right? So I think, I think there's a lot of 
unaware is communication going on. For sure. So the words are one thing. It's like everything else. Do, do you feel safe with this person? Does yeah. this person actually seem to care? Are they trying to take advantage of you? So there's all that plus our own histories of feeling you know, let down or taken advantage of or neglected. Right? So all those things are part of the dynamic. So I think it makes it... Re- Sometimes I, you know, I think it's a miracle that people can actually get along. Yeah. Right? With all the, all the potential pratfalls. Right? All the potential for misunderstanding. There's so much. There's so much. Yeah. Yeah. I had this breakthrough. It was a very um, hard lesson for me to learn. Uh, but I had this breakthrough where I realized that um, I actually was responding. You know, like I'm a yoga person. I meditate and all these things. So I'm like, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I'm picking up like vibes. I'm picking up yeah. energy like so much. And I've been actually responding to people uh, from the feelings that I'm picking up mm-hmm. and not actually from what they're saying to me from their head. Yes. So, I mean, a very simple question from someone like can we do this whatever my answer is jam-packed with answer with questions that I'm feeling from my body yeah and I'm triggered you know and mm-hmm. and so uh, that was like a really interesting insight for me and now just like learning how to I don't know what the next step is actually I don't have it figured out but something about like trusting myself and being staying in my body and just like taking it mm-hmm. really slowly feels yeah. really good yeah so we could even do that now if you wanted to right <laughs> yeah like what are you picking up non-verbally with me right now um sensing non-verbally yeah your i your kindness hmm. yeah yeah and what's the impact of that on you um i feel like um I feel like really, actually, my impact when when someone is really kind to me is like a little bit of sadness. Hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting, right? You're smiling away. Yeah, like, totally. <laughs> and you're feeling some sadness with me. Totally. Yeah. We're so s- strange. So multidimensional. Yeah. There's so much going on, so much information, right? Totally. And sometimes we get overwhelmed. I think that's what's called the trigger. Moment, yeah. Right when we're like overwhelmed with too much non, like data that's going in too many directions at once. Mm-hmm. Or by the time we get to like a therapy program or in in a therapist's office, we're so overwhelmed with experiences, or we're so shut down to our experiences that we don't see our impact on the other. Right, and so. It's really like about holding a space of compassion. I, I, don't, I know that they're not doing it to undermine me or to mm-hmm. be cruel to me or to, or to hurt me. They're doing it because they don't know how to be in the space. Uh, they don't know how to handle a space where they might see kindness, but they feel sadness. Mm-hmm. It's confusing for them. So totally. they push away or they withdraw or they get aggressive. So mostly I just remind myself to be compassionate. Yeah. They're doing the best they can. And it's not personal. It's not me they're attacking. For sure. They're directing it at me. Right? So then I have to 
when I'm working with them, I have to try to find a way to access them so that they see that I'm actually not the enemy. Yeah. Right? Sometimes it works easily, sometimes it's a lot harder. Yeah. But mostly it's just about hanging in with a sense of compassion and uh, a faith or a trust that if I hang in with them, eventually we'll get to a place where we can talk and sure. see each other. So that's what's happening in the moment, yeah. right? How I handle it, how do I take care of myself after that is that I have to just have to do some self-care, whether it's go home and take a bath and just chill out for an hour or two. Yeah. Or like last night I went to a five rhythms dance thing and it just like changed my whole figure, right? So totally. I got to shake, it, shake, a, shake the day off in a way. For sure. And it could be fresh this morning. Yeah. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you are able to take care of yourself. Oh, I try. I don't know how well I pull it off, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the little things. It's a lot of little things, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I find a lot with, like, self-care. It's not these periods of, like, being able to do two and a half hours of yoga or two hours of yoga or even 90 minutes of yoga. Sometimes it's just 20 minutes, but just, like... Uh -huh little things that help me ground again ground again especially yeah um i wanted to just kind of check in with you about uh kind of what's happening these days you know there's like a little bit of i don't want to say shame but some people feel a little bit of shame about like having a therapist or going sure. to therapy or like sure. that's like a bad thing um and i especially feel bad um for, for example, like I know someone that's in Europe that could use some support, but there's really not that much support mm -hmm. or it's a different mentality. So I guess I'm just wondering, has that changed? Are more people going to therapy or? Yeah, I, I couldn't really, I can't answer that in a kind of like uh, authoritative manner. Totally, right? I understand. But I think that there's a lot of, like there's some public gestures, right? Like uh, the federal government has put mental health on the agenda for healthcare. Yeah. Uh, those bell days where they yeah. talk about mental health, right? Yeah. Uh, some of the, like CAMH has done a lot of advertising in the last year or two to kind of spread the word and to try to correct the idea that it's a sign of weakness or that it's totally. a stigma, right? Or is there something wrong with it? Yeah. Um, so I don't really know if more people are doing therapy or if it's more acceptable now. I have a feeling that it's not quite as shame-inducing as it used to be. Yeah. But I think like the biggest, one of the biggest struggles for humans, and maybe it's not everywhere in the world, but at least here in North America or in Canada, probably North America, is the idea that if you can't take care of yourself, there's something wrong with you, right? Yeah. So I think it's that sense of like, being terrified of being seen as helpless or something like that. Yeah, totally. Or being terrified. There's, that's one aspect. And I think the other aspect that I hear quite often is that people don't want to go to therapy because they're afraid they're going to find out they're crazy. Mm -hmm. As if, you know, they are. And, you know, I think most of us are just suffering. Totally. And so there's, you know, there's pain. and It's difficult to... I don't think we're really meant to go through pain by ourselves. For sure. 
And I think we need the comfort of family or community or friends or something to help kind of witness the pain, help heal the pain, support the, pain, the person in pain, comfort the person in pain. Tell them they're okay. For sure. Right? And that you'll be there for them. Yeah. So, isolation versus community. And I think that's, the, that's what, unfortunately, there's a, still this belief, I think, in North America that the individual has to take, like the, a sign of a healthy individuals that you can take care of yourself. If you can't take care of yourself by yourself, there's a problem. Hmm. And I think that's problematic. Totally. Well, thanks for sharing that. I, I appreciate the relational part because I always thought that I was going to like figure it out by myself. By yourself. Yeah. You could probably, mm -hmm. but why reinvent the wheel when there's all kinds of people who've been through it? <laughs> it's true. Right? It's true. Even recently, um, I was sharing a story with my therapist and she kind of interrupted me and she said, there's like, I still, she totally knew I still didn't trust her completely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I really thought I was comfortable with her. Mm -hmm. and I felt like I was but there was still like a limiting still a little suspicion there's like still like mm. Mm. no you know no. I can't say I can't really go all the way all the way right <laughs> yeah sure do you think more couples are doing therapy I know that's like a yeah I don't know probably yeah like if I had to kind of speculate I suspect that it's become more acceptable too right yeah because so. I teach at this place um, in Parkdale and I teach yoga there and then at the end of the at the end of the night I set up the the we also do psychotherapy there I don't but mm -hmm. another practitioner does and so I would set up the chairs for her mm -hmm. for the therapy her therapy clients the next day and in the past few years it's become too you know, and she was saying there's more couples. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was interesting. Like that kind of gave me. We may just wonder. Yeah, yeah, it made me wonder. Yeah. 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 Again, I can't be authoritative about it, but I would imagine so in the sense that as it becomes more acceptable to try to navigate um, relational difficulties, therapy yeah. is probably becoming more of an option for people. For sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you can answer this. It's really something that I'm thinking. I'm sure. spending some time thinking about, but there was something about doing yoga for me. Mm -hmm. That was the first time that I could get in touch with myself. And mm -hmm. then meditation practice was when I really learned to like feel and sob when I would like allow myself to actually feel. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then psychotherapy came along and I'm not the only person mm -hmm. that has combined yoga meditation, psychotherapy, and all these things, and is like playing with these different parts. Mm -hmm. What do you think, what, like, what is that about? <laughs> Why are there so many yoga, meditator, therapists, people out there? Um, well, I think that when we develop a history of kind of reactivity, and I think a lot of the struggles that we have, um, like based on childhood trauma or family trauma, that sort of stuff, it shows up in one of two ways. Either we numb ourselves out 
or we become very hyperactive yeah. in a way, right? Um, so I think probably for the people that are kind of like reactive and they'll quickly respond to stimuli in their environment, yoga and meditation are probably wonderful ways mm -hmm. for them to slow down themselves. Right? And if you slow down yourself, then the catastrophe you realize isn't going to happen, mm -hmm. right? So you yeah. can actually feel more balanced and more grounded. Yeah. I wish people that were depressed would also go do yoga and yeah. meditation because it wouldn't work the same way, but it would also help them to be in community, right? For sure. And I think that would be part of it. I think that's part of it is too. Like I know that in meditation you're yourself, but it's often done in community. Mm -hmm. So there's totally. that kind of bringing together and that kind of support and... I think there's also kind of a, a phenomena that occurs, and you've probably seen this more than I have, that if you're in a circle, like or yoga or a meditation, and if there's somebody who can really hold the space calmly, everybody calms down a little totally. bit. Totally. Yeah. Right? So you're learning non-verbally from the people around you. For sure. Right? And so much of, like I don't, I don't like this language in therapy, uh, but it, I think it's important and it's about regulating and self-regulating mm -hmm. and co-regulation Really what they're saying is learning to kind of tolerate your own emotions Which is okay. Yeah um, So I think that's how we learn how to do it if we don't have that in our family systems because of whatever So dysfunction is in our family system. We have to get it somewhere. Yeah for sure. And so I think that's why yoga meditation Tai Chi like a lot of these practices that are really about slowing the body down essentially mm -hmm. and building awareness around how you respond to your environment are very supportive yeah for sure and healing yeah right um i'm totally oversharing but i i recently had a a moment i think the deeper that i'm like going into therapy and and all these kinds of things the more things are actually coming up for me i thought it would be like in this in this period of my life mm -hmm. And so I had this moment of totally having like kind of, I would say, an out-of-body experience, even though my whole body was like really hot and like explosive. Mm -hmm. And it was like a lashing out. Mm -hmm. And it was without any sort of awareness, really. Mm -hmm. It's like pure reaction in a way. Pure reaction. Yeah. And it surprised me, and it surprised the person I was talking to. I bet. <laughs> you know? I bet. She's not too happy with me. Yeah. And so it felt like the impact of that after, like I felt so bad after. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can go to therapy, and I can, I can think about what had happened, and I can think about some of the relational trauma that's happened for mm -hmm. me that has led up to that point mm -hmm. um but what do you do like what what would you say i know this is a hard question but what would you say to someone that that has that tendency to really react to in such of, a way to dissociate and lash out yeah for instance? like zero to a hundred type yeah things well there's simple ways to support that like when you start to feel it coming on the 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 tension before the release yeah is to you know like i remember somebody used to one of the interventions was count to 10 yeah because it just takes your focus away and slows you down right yeah 
or breathing, right? So there are ways to interrupt the building of the reaction. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I think it is really about working on what the threat is. Yeah. Right? Probably in therapy, not with the poor person yeah. who's going to get yeah. the blowback, right? Yeah, totally. But there are ways of supporting yourself, like just finding ways to stay embodied. Yeah. Right? To, like, like you do in meditation, where you observe the reaction without being the reaction. Yeah. And it's easier said than done, of course, sure. right? Because it probably caught you off guard too. Yeah, I didn't. I I really didn't. Um, I didn't see it coming. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually think that that's like the the scary part about um, not not knowing. Yeah. You know. I think probably like there are ways to support yourself, like you know, breathing, more yoga, more meditation. Like the more you learn to sort of regulate yourself, I think the less likely that'll happen. Yeah. And also to explore um, the origins of that trauma. For sure. Right, because obviously something was touched that is part of your fight response. Yeah. Right, like you hit, got hit in a very kind of primitive way. Yeah. It was a primitive threat. It was like a pr very primitive, Yeah. not... Uh, logical even. Yeah, it was like life and death and it wasn't, right? Yeah, totally. It yeah. was life and death, but it totally it was wasn't. not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. That's over and over and over again. That primitive response gets kicked on because there is wounding there. Yeah. Right. So if you can breathe, be aware, remind yourself that it's not life and death. Yeah. Like bring yourself back into the here and now, like the, the gestalt the old-fashioned gestalt exercise of like really using your senses like what yeah. do you hear what do you see what do you smell what do you feel for sure like those things bring you back into your body and then you don't go into the that primitive response totally you know freeze flight fight hmm. what do you think makes a good therapist oh boy Um, the qualities you mean? Yeah, like just in your opinion. Yeah, well certainly to be able to listen, to be able to not be triggered, mm -hmm. to be able to uh, have compassion. I think the way you get there is to explore your own history and to uh, heal those things that put you in reaction mm -hmm. and so it's you know I don't expect people just to have those qualities yeah. naturally yeah. and it's also the I think the compassion to realize that um, you've been there mm -hmm. where your clients are coming from totally and even if you haven't been there in their particular way because we can't do that all the time yeah is to feel that similarity, right? That simul similarity of, you know, I've been hurt. Yeah. I haven't been supported. I've had to defend myself without any support. Mm -hmm. I lived in isolation and I've suffered. Yeah. There's something um, that I'm feeling a lot lately, which is just the, the kind of the breaking away of different layers. And there mm -hmm. is a little bit of sadness. Like I actually feel like I'm showing my face 
more. Like I feel more love and more compassion for people, mm -hmm. but I'm also feeling a little bit raw. Mm -hmm. And um, I noticed that kind of feeling, you know, when I look at you, when I look at Carolina, when I look at Jay, when I look at people who like seen a lot. And uh, I was wondering, is that, is it, does it feel lonely? Does it, what does it feel like to have seen so much or even just, I guess my question is when you're seeing patterns play out, when you see someone that's like suffering and caught. Mm -hmm. Do I feel? Yeah. I feel pain. Yeah. That's, and I think maybe what you're seeing is as a rawness is a, an inability to hide the, the awareness of it. Yeah. Right, or a, an openness or a recognition of the other in self, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's ultimately it, right? Is that the person who is coming to you is in pain whether they really know it or not. Mm -hmm. And almost always there's a loss that hasn't really been processed yet, mm -hmm. right? So we're talking about grief. And it's a continual process grief. Totally. Right? right? We lose this, we lose that. We get older, we lose our ability to do this. We lose people. Mm -hmm. We lose pets. We lose people we care about. But there's a part um, where, you know, it feels easier for some people to lean into the story of that. Mm -hmm than actually just to feel the feeling like without yes. the story. Yeah. And to just like feel the sadness or feel the grief or whatever is coming yeah. up without re repetition, repetition of That's the story. Right. That's right. Some of the kind of new age things that are coming up are really about like be positive now, be happy and mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff, which I think is fun. Mm -hmm. But positive thinking without support other support I don't think it works yeah I can't imagine yeah be positive and know that shit happens yeah a lot of painful shit in people's lives because otherwise you're just pretending for sure right yeah so be positive and realize that there's a lot of pain yeah and that you know don't want to be cynical but you know what's going to happen we're going to get sick we're going to die we're going to decay and people around us die Totally. Yeah. And things are really hard. Like, the older I get, the more I'm realizing, like, life is really hard. And it doesn't stop. And it does not stop. Just different. Yeah. So, if you can get comfortable with that to some degree. For sure. Then maybe you can have fun. For sure. So, I had um, this experience of um, learning about the paradoxical theory of change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it kind of blew my mind in the sense that I just had to see where I was at and be honest about where I was at and that through that awareness, things would naturally change. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like a five-step program. No. <laughs> Have you ever had like a theory, a moment or something like that that you were like, oh my God, like that's... That's it. You know, like when you read a really good, when you read a really good book, 
-hmm. and you like hold on to it mm -hmm. like do you have like a teaching that you hold on to that is kind of feels hmm. sacred to you or yeah I have to think about it for a second I don't know if I have it's So George Rosner, who's one of the founders of the Gestalt Institute, right? He's not well known, and, but there's like we have this little book, this flimsy little book that we kick around that he wrote, you know, 30 years ago. It's kind of a hippie book, you know. But there's a really simple sequence of questions he wants you to ask yourself. Okay. It's three questions. Um, let me see if I can remember now. It's something like this. I mean, maybe I'll remember as no, I do totally. it. What do you want? Yeah. Can you be responsible for you, what you want? Mm -hmm. What's the worst that can happen? Okay. Can you deal with it? Yeah. And in a way, that sequence, uh, for me, I had a lot of anger and aggression uh, yeah. when I was younger. Um, Growing, in a, growing up in a family where there's a lot of violence, it's not surprising. So the way I dealt with it is that I depressed myself. I learned how to be very good at depressing myself because mm -hmm. that way I wouldn't be a threat to myself or to anybody else. Mm -hmm. And I remember doing some work at the Institute, and I think it was with Joanne, where pretty much she poked me and poked me till I fucking got angry with her. Wow. And... I didn't want to get angry with her, and I didn't think she would hang in with me if, she got, if I got angry with her. But I did get angry with her, and she did hang in with me. Mm -hmm. And it was like a moment where kind of like the expectation dropped. So I guess the theory in Gestalt is around safe emergencies. Mm -hmm. can, you talk, can you enact an emergency in the container of therapy mm -hmm. so that you can see that actually people don't die because you get angry? Yes. In, in my case. Yeah. Right? To see that actually the other person can hang in with you through that horrible, terrifying, crazy experience you're imagining is going to happen. For sure. So, you know, another way of saying it is that I couldn't deal with my anger because I was so anxious about my impact on another. For sure. So. We hide our anger. It's not yeah. really super even. Well, anger, maybe even rage. Yeah. Right? And then it comes out... Sideways. Totally. Yeah, unexpected. Unexpectedly. Unawares. Yeah. yeah. So I guess maybe the safe emergency that way. Hmm. Though I like paradoxical theory of change too. Yeah. Both are good. Both are good. They work. They do. Yeah. If you're really willing to throw yourself into it. Mm -hmm. um, can you share just kind of as we... Um, Wrap up, can you share something that keeps you going while you teach all of us at the Gestalt Institute? Because <laughs> there's so many of us. We've got so many opinions. We have so many things to say. Uh -huh. And each uniquely challenging. Totally. <laughs> I, I like teaching. And I like when, wow. and I like when the students kind of have their little breakthroughs, right? With Yeah in their own process, I mean, right? Like, mm -hmm. when they realize that, oh, I don't know, 
that it's their expectation of, uh, like I'm thinking of what this one uh, client that I worked with, a student who's now a, a practice uh, therapist, he had a really horrible relationship with his mother. It was very complex and very confusing. He was like the devil and the hero. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's in his 60s now, this guy. All his life he's played the devil and the hero with women. Mm -hmm. And I gave him a really hard time once in class around the way he responds to women clients, right? Because mm -hmm. we do these practice sessions, right? Really hard. He was really angry with me. But one day, about six months later, after he finally got through his anger with me and we dealt with mm -hmm. it, he realized that he keeps trying to play the hero with the women clients in his life and the women in his life and his clients. And it gets in the way. Of course. Because there's no heroes, really. Right? We all live, we all suffer, we all have joy, we all die. And we're helpless in the face of that life cycle. Totally. So, I think Superman is gone for him now. Yeah. Wow, that's really... That's really special. Yeah, so to be able to help somebody get to that place. Yeah. And to see how all of a sudden his work isn't like, uh, corrupted by his own drama. For sure. Right? That either he's the... The devil, the little boy that needs to be taken care of, or he's a superhero. Yeah. Yeah. I um, in first year, I had this moment with Jay, where she said to me like, something along the lines of like, what? Like, all I want to do is help people. Like that's been my thing. I just want to help people. I just want to help people, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, well, what if everything that you're doing, what if it doesn't have? There's no point. You're just do you're just doing this thing. Like is that like an is that like enough for you? Is that mm -hmm. and just to kind of feel the enoughness of just showing up and like being human or being myself yeah. with another person. Yeah. And just to work on just showing up and even just showing up is so fucking hard. Showing up is the fucking hardest thing. Yeah. To be able to simply bear witness without interfering in another person's process is so hard. Oh my God. Right? Because we can't tolerate their struggle, their pain, their whatever it is. Their pain is just too... So we go in there and try to fix it up and we fuck everything up. Yeah. We try to rescue. What's that saying? The road to hell is paved with good intentions? Yeah. Oh, that's what happened with the lashing out. Wow. Thank you so much. Thank you, Donna. It was fun. Thank you so much for sharing all, all of these things with us. And I feel like I could talk to you for three more hours. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was easy. It was nice. It's a nice flow. Awesome. Well, um, I wanted to say that I hope this just tiny little bit of this uh, podcast, this video, uh, helps you... Um, in some way, even though here I am trying to help again. Um, <laughs> and that maybe if you've wanted to go to therapy and you haven't been sure that maybe you consider it, uh, it's always good to try different things and different ways to just be and um, receive support.